Hi, and welcome to the CDNFI podcast, where we discuss all things related to front-end optimization, web performance, and emerging technologies. Hi, I'm Jamie, and I'm joined with Hugo Giradel and Hampton Catlin. Both of you actually have been on the podcast before, so I'm happy to see you guys every turn for round two. A quick introduction for Hugo. Uh, he's a front-end developer based in France, founder of SASDoc, and writer for sites like TutsPlus, SitePoint, and CodeDrops. And a quick intro um, for Hampton. He's primarily a back-end developer based in the USA, founder of SAS, Hamel, and GeneHub. Plus, he's the author of The Pragmatic Guide to SAS. So to get things started, I think we should focus on pet peeves. Um, what things drive you mad when working in large teams and large projects? Uh, this is Hampton. I'll start with over-planning. Um, <laughs> that drives me crazy. Uh it's it's both a personal fault and a great passion of mine um because uh yeah basically um i i find a lot that analytical people kind of overanalyze as you would think and try to predict too far into the future mm-hmm. um i always think of like building a product like um crossing a river and you kind of have to like s- just concentrate on the stone you're standing on and then take a step to the next stone it makes the most sense, and you pretty much always know where you're going. Um, I've yet to be involved in a project where you kind of just finished a feature, and the next feature wasn't clear. Like, that has never, ever, ever happened. So that's my biggest pet peeve, is, like, don't overplan. Um, think it through, but, you know, start executing. Uh, so what are your pet peeves, um, Hugo? Uh, well, uh, there is always uh, legacy code. <laughs> It's always um, a bit uh, uh, messy, but uh, I think um, what what I don't like in in most projects is uh, not having time to write tests and just having to move on to the next feature. Mm. It it happens very uh, mm. often, and and it it basically sucks because you you are building your your products on some um, um, fragile uh, code, so. Yeah, not having time to write tests is, is probably one of the things I hate most. Mm-hmm. So have you have you guys ever collaborated on a on a project together? Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. The SaaS community. How about that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I've I've worked on projects where um, referring to Hampton's um, answer. I've actually worked in projects where uh, a feature hasn't been like in the pipeline. It's just been like winging it every step of the way. I've been in a situation like that, and it's kind of horrible because you don't really know like what you you know where you're going to step to next. And that's like that's the worst feeling, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I know that that's the for analytical people who can write code. That's the worst feeling. But I don't know if the results are actually worse. Actually, I think they tend to come out much better. Yeah. So it's like it's fighting that instinct to be like i can control the chaos of creation and the product itself the same way i can control one of my functions um and i guess that's where i tend to try to focus my teams on being okay with unknowns mm-hmm. known unknowns is uh, the rumsfeld i think said yes i think um yeah uh i'm trying to think of other pet peeves as well um which I can't think of the top of my head right now. Um, so, moving on to my next question. Um, so this is for 
Hugo. Sastat 1.6 came out the other week, I think it was on the 9th or the 8th of September. So yep. it was introducing support for YAML and um, Yemen theme generator. So can you share any other benefits from um, this latest version? Um, well, it's cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's cool. Uh, so yeah, um, we, we thought about YAML for a while now and we, we never took time to ship it until now. Um, it's cool because uh, I, I know that uh, some, some people uh, use YAML for configuration, especially uh, Rubyists. As far as I know, at least. So um, having having YAML support for for SASDAQ is a big plus. Um, regarding the new generator, it's cool if you want to build your own, your own theme, your own design for SASDAQ, um, because you don't have to like uh, try to learn from uh, our code. You you just uh, use Yaman and and run it and answer to a couple of questions and you, you have your, your theme ready. So yeah, it's it's pretty nice. Oh, that's cool. So is there anything is there anything else that, that you've introduced for, for this for this version or have you just focused on YAML and Yemen theme? Yeah, generator? YAML and, and the generator. There is um, some bug fix, I think. Um, mm. uh, we, we always fix uh, some things here and there. Uh, we are also... Um, um, preparing um, to move to um, version two Ooh. at some point, and um, so we we start to uh, display some warnings uh, about things that will break. Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, it's it's a protest that is used in SAS as well. Um, they they used to like for a, a free that free they were. Um, Warning users against things that, that could break in Friedel 4. So uh, we, we are trying to, to follow the same process. I think it's nice to let the people know. Um, yeah, so uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And what, what other features have you had uh, most requested for the version 2.0? Um, well, uh, SAS files, hmm. um, because we only support SCSS for now. Uh, however, we are. Uh, we have a solution, uh, but we found a bug in SAS, so we are waiting for uh, for a fix from from the SAS maintainers. Um, so we will uh, allow SAS files uh, anytime soon, uh, before uh, version two, I think. And we need to we need to find a way to allow inline comments because uh, some people's um, some people don't like having C styles comments in a, in their code. Um, they, 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 they'd rather use uh, uh, SAS transparent comments. Uh, mm -hmm. However, our passer is not ready for it yet, so we, we need to we need to, to find a solution for this. Um, and uh, a way to document BAM, BM uh, code because um, because it's a, it's a fairly popular uh, method methodology. And we have this this issue open for uh, three months now, so well, like four four months. So if you can find a way, uh, it, it would be cool. But it's it's like you know it's huge, 
having uh, a way to document modules and, and elements and modifiers and and make them um, work with each other. It's it's really complicated. So uh, yeah, we need to think uh, think this through. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you'll have to rethink the entire structure of, of SASDOC at, at some point? Um, no. No, because uh, I have the amazing opportunity to work with very, very talented um, developers, the three of them, uh, and they they uh, thought this through. Uh, it's it's really well uh, built at this point. I think it's it's modular, well, uh, but we might have to change our parser because it's it's uh, kind of. Um, uh, small at this point because we need to pass very few things. Uh, if we want to be able to allow PM uh, and other stuff, we we might uh, need to switch to something a little more uh, complex and robust. Mm -hmm. So yeah, perhaps I think the at this point the passer is is the um, perhaps the bottleneck, and we we might uh, need to um, rewrite it uh, at at some point. Yeah, I was actually talking to uh, Hampton about this on um, about, about rewriting things and, and changing the fundamentals um, of the web because um, Hampton and I were talking about it and he, he mentioned it on the previous podcast that did with him um, about uh, how the fundamentals of the web can be written better. And I think he mentioned was it uh, the DOM Hampton? I think he said that the DOM can just be radically changed because like it is a pain to use. Um, so I was just wondering, like, what what both of you thought of like how you could change the fundamentals of the web to make it just better? <laughs> well, yeah. So technically, it's not the DOM itself. I mean, the DOM is actually just the way you kind of parse HTML, mm. um, but it's more the layout system. Uh, yeah. It's like flow based layout, <laughs> and that's basically um, great for making a. a big text document, but it's pretty terrible for the kind of modern web pages we build today. So uh, for me, it's the like constraint-based systems, um, which are now being used in mobile native applications pretty successfully. And there's a couple CSS projects. But for me, it's basically like you just define relationships between elements on the page. So you say, this should always be 20% away from that. Um, or you know, fix the width here, or you know, allow this to float, or center this. Um, my God, wouldn't that be amazing? Because um, <laughs> you can do you can do stuff like that vertical alignment, horizontal alignment. Um, there's there's already systems that work like this, and um, I basically think the current reflow based web system is just torturing every front end developer every day needlessly. Um, and SAS makes it better, but it doesn't quite fix what how the browsers <laughs> parsing CSS. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what what should some like what should front end some front end devs follow in terms of um, web standards and um, that you know like key things that they have to hit? Um, Hugo, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, well, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think um, it's quite a tough question. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, uh, CSS is moving quite fast. Um, well, not as fast as we would like, but it's moving quite fast. And um, so you you now have to learn flexbox and grid layouts. And 
and shapes and regions and there, there are a lot of uh, new models for this for mm. layouts it's a i think it's hard to know what to use when um even for some someone with some experience um but um it's it's already nice to have all those all those uh, new features because they are solving actual issues with css uh, centering and layouting and all these steps so yeah no at, at this point uh, there are two main issues um browsers mm -hmm. that are still um in the game that um shouldn't be and um it kind yeah. of just, it kind of just feels like um an unsteady stack at the moment because you're just putting things on top of things and it just doesn't some things don't fit um yeah so it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's 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 pretty true because you you like, hey, I want to use Flexbox. It's it's going it's going to be awesome, and and you 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 make it work, and it's great. And then uh, the manager comes and say, hey, we need to make this work on i9. So <laughs> you you put um, fallbacks here and there, and you're like, yeah, it cannot work. So. Yeah, so you've got like that very unsteady, like, oh, you have to go back and do it for this, and um, yeah, it can be a bit of a pain, to be honest. Uh, so, um, moving on to my next question, um, I I think we all have our own perfect working conditions, whether that's in like a, a dark and silent room, or with, with like in a light room with music blasting. Um, so, I wondered what you guys preferred when it comes to writing code? Hmm. I guess I, I, well, I like a good view. Mm -hmm. Like I, when I get to in my head, I like to look up. <laughs> I find it really useful. Like just to like I'll code for a while, staring down, kind of intensely, and then like look up and be like, okay, all right, back to the real world for a second. Um, and then I definitely listen to music when I'm coding. Uh, I recommend the Tron Legacy soundtrack. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's I've listened to that many times before. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I'm a computer. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I prefer the uh, the original Tron soundtrack, not not Tron Legacy, for some weird oh, yeah. reason. Yeah, nice, like the eighties soundtrack. Um, so yeah, what 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 do you prefer, Hugo? Um, music. Uh, I I I need music. Um, my type plus my typing skills are, are far better when I have some some music going on. Um, mm -hmm. also, I think I'm. I'm Okay, pretty much anywhere. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think mu music is the only thing I really need when I when I'm cutting, mm -hmm. and uh, it depends on the level of complexity I, I face. But uh, when it's, um, for instance, when it's uh, backend developments, which I'm not used to, I need uh, to be um, um, left alone. If if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like it's like reading like a very um, you know. Like if you're into like a very in-depth book um, yeah. and it's very hard to concentrate when you have like yeah, know, te techno music blasting in the background like Tron, <laughs> Tron Legacy. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so Hampton, you mentioned in, in a previous podcast that you started out as a front-end developer and you moved on to, to back-end. Um, I was wondering why was this and um, was it because it was more challenging? Um, well, I mean, at the time we didn't really have the term front-end developer. Uh, I mean, I was doing mostly 
the job title was actually graphic designer. I thought I thought he was going to say full stack then, because isn't that the term you use now for like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a more modern term. I mean, at the time it was like there was the design team, and then there were the programmers. Yeah. That was it. Like, um, and the, the like, we didn't actually. Co- I didn't in that job. I didn't actually code at all. I, I knew how to from home, like from my own learning. But I did that particular job. Um, it was up to the same people who were writing the database or the same people who st- or attempted to style the page. But this was 1998, and <laughs> we, we had pretty low expectations on what that would look like. Um, so I've never really had the job title front-end developer ever, um, just because that wasn't really a thing. Um, and by the time I came up with SAS, I was working with an awesome guy who wrote CSS full-time, which that was the first time I'd ever um, kind of run into that. Um, and I just thought his tool sucked, so I wanted to help him out. Um, <laughs> so that's basically the, uh But it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, why do I do that instead of front end? Yeah, so I'm not, I mean, this already came up, I guess. Yeah. I'm not, uh, let me think, what's right? Like, I tend to not be a perfectionist. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty demanding with other people, but with myself, I when when it comes to getting something pixel perfect, uh, I'm just the worst. Um, like my interest level just drops to zero, um, and it's a magical skill other people have that I love because I love stuff that looks beautiful, but I just cannot do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really not a front end developer uh, because I don't think I have the proper skill set. I mean, it's not an intellectual skill set only. It's like, what do you enjoy doing? Like. When people find great satisfaction from something look, looking really polished, those people tend to do a lot of front-end work. Yeah, I mean, um, um, I think, do you, I would say that you probably need some sort of design aspect if, you were, if you're into front-end development. Mm-hmm. Just, just like a little bit, but not, not, not a lot. Um, and that's one key aspect of it. Um, and I was going to ask as well, Hugo, that um, you just mentioned that you're, you know, you're doing a little bit of back-end stuff. I was curious of why, why you're sort of doing... You're moving into backend development. Um. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it uh, a whirl. Well, um. Well, I think when I first uh, learned PHP, I learned um, I didn't learn uh, PO, so uh, it it was kind of different than working on a framework like Symfony or Zend or whatever. So uh, the more I, I'm um, writing some backend code, the, the more I like it. However, I still have some uh, special place in my heart for CSS. I think it's it's really ma- really nice nice language. Um, you know, it's it's pretty broken, but you like it because it's broken. So. <laughs> you, can, you can try and fix it. Yeah. So, and, and, and I really enjoy writing JavaScript um, and getting um, better and better at it. So it's it's cool. Uh, backend. I, I really don't like database stuff. It, it, yeah, it can be a pain to work with yeah, database kind as, of stuff. As, as um, Hampton said, my interest goes down to zero. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I don't enjoy working with database, and it's it's the same with everything that comes to uh, sysadmin. So uh, it's well, it's it's not much backend at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just it would just be like sort of it would be hard to motivate yourself when it comes to things like database stuff that you just you don't yeah. have that that eye to look at database code and it's just yeah. Um, so my next question, moving on, um, focuses on front end and back end um, because there are more JavaScript frameworks like Angular and Backbone, which are blurring the lines between what we traditionally consider front-end and back-end development. Do you, do you find this is, is true? That they're blurring the line? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they're kind of, kind of blurring the line between front-end and back-end. I mean, that's that's what you hear quite a lot now, like I mentioned before, a full-stack developer, that's that's getting thrown about quite a lot because you might have a company in and um, you might just get a developer in and then they'll be doing front-end and back-end stuff using tools like you know Angular and, and Backbone. Um, doing a bit of every, everything, and I just wondered what both of you take away from that. Is this like what developers are becoming, moving towards now? I mean, I, I guess I'm not super supportive of the super heavy front-end client. <laughs> um, I, I I think I'm just an old crotchy man. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, the line's certainly blurred. Um, JavaScript's, you know, a pretty powerful language and it's getting more and more powerful and so are browsers getting faster. So, I mean, I think it's pretty natural. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds. Um, I doubt it will be, you know, web browsers downloading 10 megabytes of code. Um, well, sorry, that's, that's how it is today. Let's change it to a hundred megabytes of JavaScript <laughs> and then, you know, you don't need a backend. Uh, I, I don't really... I, I haven't seen that really be successful outside of the simplest, least secure applications ever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you, it's kind of, there's a, a an ownership aspect with front-end and back-end. So you obviously can't really trust the front-end. Um, it's on the person's computer. I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll solve this. Maybe there'll be like secure JavaScript in the future. Maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's certainly getting more powerful and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I just think right now it's like, it's like those early days where you just kind of everybody's trying everything and seeing what works. Yeah, it's a wild, I think wild west, isn't it, it? I mean, we're probably about three or four years into like the, you know, front end web frameworks, like being a serious, you know, kind of analog to the back end counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's starting to be some winners like Angular and Ember. I hear more and more being kind of the, the two that seem to be squaring it off. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that maybe they're doing it closer to, to not a disaster. But who knows? I mean, I don't think... I, I, I still yet to hear one person say, that was so much easier than doing it in the back end. Um, and th- I will hear that one day. Uh, no, yeah, I, I hear I that as well quite, quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, wait, you do hear that? Yeah, with, with stuff like this. I mean, that's that's what brought up the question in, in the first place, really, because I, I just... I. I I wanted to know what, what you guys have, have, have heard and like what, what you guys think about it, but yeah, I've, I've heard that a, a few times. Um, which is quite interesting, really. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah but, but at the moment, I would probably say that it's it's kind of like, you said you said that um, people are trying different things. It's kind of like just the Wild West. And because of the way that the web is, is now, because like we have like leftover things, like legacy things that we won't be using, it is kind of like the Wild West where things are just sort of plucked out things that we need things that we don't need and it can be like a stack like i mentioned like a unstable stack sometimes um just well it's technology is always an unstable stack like there's maybe like 10 minutes every decade where like 
there's probably some clear recommendations. Like about uh, sorry, 2007, you should probably have been using uh, Django or uh, or Rails for mm-hmm. about 10 minutes. That was like all. That's that was pretty much a good complete answer for most problems. And then things got complicated again, um, mm-hmm. and that's how it's always been in technology. <laughs> it it never settles down. Real best practices don't last. Yeah. Um, Happy news, everyone. <laughs> yay! <laughs> yay, yay! It's a forever fight. Ten minutes of clarification, then yay! It's all downhill. Um, yeah. So moving on to my next question, uh, I think you both mentioned previously that that you self-taught. Um, so I was wondering if there are any new self-learning services out there um, that you use to sharpen your coding skills, um, or kind of like Code School. But I but I imagine you guys probably. Uh, gone far beyond that now but I was wondering if there are any services out there that you find cool you know like to hone your skills go on go on <laughs> uh, I mean I'm a treehouse teacher so that kind of biases me I've done two cor- I've taught two courses on treehouse so uh, that's the best one <laughs> <laughs> wink wink yeah uh, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, know, I know the people there so uh, I, I also know some people all the other ones uh i don't know i'm uh I'm, I, I keep giving like answers that are kind of antithetical i'm kind of concerned by the number of people who are else people are gonna kill me who are kind of getting <laughs> mostly educated um right. they're kind of at a very junior level mm-hmm. um through the video stuff and not really working in the job and i know there's some of these things are trying to address that but I'm kind of worried that the like that there is well I think there is right now a glut of kind of very junior people who need a lot of real life learning and handholding mm-hmm. um, on the job market today and I don't know if the promise that the industry was making of you know if you can just learn CSS you know and some HTML and a little bit of JavaScript we'll get you a job um, I don't think that that's I mean, I think it's like, oh, great, now we have a thousand people who can only do those things, and, like, I can't hire a thousand. That is way too many. Um, So, yeah, I'm a little worried, because I feel like it's kind of a bubble with those services, to be honest, just to make a downer for everybody. I think um, they're trying to make it, like, with Treehouse and and Code School, um, they're trying to put the entry level quite low so then people can just like hit the ground running and then like work the way up but with a lot of services like that they don't have too many advanced um levels um and you can kind of like uh, tear off in the end but um i think i think a, um a good example of like you know self teaching is like is articles that hugo writes on places mm-hmm. like Tuts plus and SidePoint. i mean I, I read stuff like that um and it, it helps me and i'm sure it helps <laughs> others as well wait actually sorry hold on that it, my real answer how, where do i learn yeah hugo's blog yeah so <laughs> that's that's for real I, I go there when i'm confused about stuff so yeah. um good work yeah, <laughs> It's a it's a self plug, you see. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And that's it. That's that's all my questions. So thanks, guys, for for coming on. I know it's been short, but um, thanks for for returning for round two. And hopefully there's no a, problem. There's a round three. Thanks for listening. 
be sure to check out more great podcasts over on cdnfi.com forward slash blog. <laughs>